0: Welcome to episode 254 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 6th of November, 2023. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan... How's it going? Graham. Good evening. And Will. Hello. Graham, you are joining us live via satellite from Riga.
1: Yes, hello, hello. (laughs) Nilpun.
0: So how's the uh, Ubuntu Summit been?
1: Yeah, well, I guess it might be difficult for me to be objective, but um, I thought it was really good. It was great to see so many people from the Late Night Linux family. But also, it's actually got a genuinely positive kind of vibe and atmosphere. You know, there's a lot of Ubuntu community people there. And as we
0: can hear from your voice, lots of reasonably priced beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's true as well. And Riga seems to be a really nice city. Um, Yeah, I recommend it. But it was great. It was a really casual, kind of relaxed, a little bit like Fosdem like that. But I really think it was an improvement on last year. There was fewer tracks, more people... So there was more focus and things were better attended. You know, they weren't so disparate or so differentiated between each other. There were some really technical tracks and a few more general interest ones.
0: Apart from the poor old WSL fella, eh? We had a, an empty room. Really? Are you getting my hopes up? <laughs> no, no. Have a look at Jim Salter's um, Mastodon. He posted a picture of a nearly empty room. And apparently it was a very good talk as well. <laughs> I mean, oh, well, uh, yeah. What a shame. <laughs> what a shame, that's it, yeah. Right, let's get on with a bit of news then. The first is that Sci-5, the big player in the Risk5 market, seems to be doing quite a few layoffs and are maybe not doing quite as well as they could be.
2: According to the article that you linked to, 20% of the employees across the whole business have been laid off, which is a kind of standard number when you look at companies that are restructuring or refocusing on particular areas of their business. So the numbers don't really shock me And the more I think about this article, it seems to be kind of logical. We've seen a lot of businesses over the last few years struggling to raise money, refocusing their efforts on something a little bit tighter than previously. And this seems to be in keeping with that. I hope that what's happening is that Sci-5 are slimming down a bit, giving themselves a bit more runway and really waiting until Risk-5 starts accelerating, which I think is is close by now. Uh, And I think we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah, this doesn't seem
0: out of kilter with the rest of the tech industry, does it? Apart from Canonical, weirdly, Graham, you lot have hired shitloads of people, seemingly, but every other company seems to be doing layoffs like this.
1: Yeah, interestingly, John Ronco was a speaker at the Ubuntu Summit, and he's VP of segment marketing at Sci-5. And no one was brave enough to ask him about this (laughs) news. But at least okay from the perspective of the presentation he seemed very upbeat and was very positive about the future of risk five in general as well as sci five are we
2: thinking this is a case of hired too many people while pandemic was going on maybe probably hired too many people when money was free and now it's not free anymore mm. they're starting to think well you know we've got this wedge of cash that we raised in vc money we've got all these people sitting around not really doing anything let's make that whatever few hundred million let's make that last 5 years instead of 2 years yeah I, I was happy that they corrected the article
3: to say that it wasn't the pre-made cores that were going away because if it's only going to be a specialist core manufactured for you know maybe a hard drive or whatever i don't think that's very good for the the grand scheme of things it'd be nice to see something like a almost a, you know 2024 risk 5 spec come out and you could say this is going to be the compatible pc spec for this two-year period or whatever because i just hate that whole idea that we're going to end up like mobile phones where you need 25 different SKUs for everything
0: well i think that you are hoping in vain there i always hope in vain (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think we're going to get standardization here just because the instruction set is open doesn't mean that you're going to have standardization necessarily i know but i just think in general for software, it's better that there is, but
3: you know, whether hardware manufacturers see that or not is another question.
0: Well, it's been mixed news for Risk v because Google posted on their open source blog, Android and Risk v what you need to know to be ready. And it sounds like it's not there yet, especially with applications and everything, but they are pushing for Risk v to be a properly supported architecture in Android, which has got to be good news generally, I would say, for Risk v
2: Yeah, I think this is very good news. I think this is the breakthrough that they've been waiting for. We saw adoption in Linux very early, which is normal, and we saw Ubuntu talking about it very recently as well. But to hear Android talking about it, I think this is really the point at which it goes mainstream and people start porting their applications or getting hold of dev boards to try this stuff out. If you can run android on this thing instead of some linux distro and then test your android apps out on it then i think a whole bunch of developers are going to really give it a go so yeah i i think personally that this is the the point at which risk 5 takes off
0: yeah we might find ourselves in the next say five years with x86 ARM, and risk 5 all competing with each other and that has got to be a good thing
3: yeah but it won't just be risk 5 it'll be Twenty-five different risk fives. I think that is where the issue is, if you ask me. But maybe they'll straighten something out. But not if you say so.
1: You can't have too much choice, for them It's like breakfast cereal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of ARM, Qualcomm have demonstrated their new Snapdragon X Elite, and this is in the form of a couple of laptop mock-ups that are not meant for sale. They're just sort of demonstrations, technical demonstrations. And the aim is to compete with Apple and their M series chips. And that's all relatively interesting. But what really jumped out at me in the article that we'll link is the benchmarks. And it's all the usual stuff you'd expect Cinebench and Geekbench and PC Mark, that sort of thing. However, there's a couple of Linux benchmarks in here. So it's not just Windows. And apparently the fan control stuff isn't sorted out on Linux, so it just runs full tilt. So as a result of that extra cooling, you get slightly better performance out of Linux, which I think is a very good sign that
2: they're not just totally ignoring Linux here. They must care a lot about the server market. AWS and the big cloud players are all pushing really hard for ARM in the data center, presumably because it saves them money on the chip purchase price but also power and cooling and all of that stuff so i'm not surprised that they're pushing for server what excites me more though is the same thing as you mentioned joe is the performance looks amazing these laptops look a bit like netbooks so they're a couple of years late in delivering my christmas present but i will take it (laughs) but the numbers look incredible faster than an m2 so this is going to be on these benchmarks anyway this is going to be a really performant machine on which you can do video processing and play games and all of that stuff it looks really impressive and i want one of these devices it's just good to see that linux isn't totally forgotten
0: because these devices are going to ship with windows you would imagine but we saw with that ARM um, lenovo thinkpad that's got reasonably good Linux support. There's a few features that are missing. I think some key ones. I can't remember which now, but it is possible at least to get Linux running on these devices. And we're not being completely left behind like I feared we would be.
1: Yeah. And if people can get Linux running on Apple's native silicon, then surely it's got to be easier on something that isn't Apple.
0: You would have thought so, but then according to Hector Martin, he says that Apple has actually made it easy for them. Hmm. Privacy Advocate challenges YouTube's ad blocking detection scripts under EU law. This is one of your fellow countrymen, Phelim, who has decided that Google and YouTube's detection of ad blockers and saying, oh, you've got five more videos before, you've got to turn your ad blocker off, and then, oh, that's it, you've got to turn your ad blocker off now. He reckons that this is against the GDPR. Well,
3: good luck to him, but it's weird because with Hole, I don't see this. With Firefox, I don't see this either. But Liam, who wanted this, I don't know, some gamer version of Opera. Opera GX. Yeah, he wanted that on one of his Windows machines to try out, and it started showing it, and I just laughed and said, oh, you'll have to use Firefox. So, uh, (laughs) I don't know. How do you fund these types of things? Is it fair to watch video ads? I don't know.
0: I see them. I don't mind seeing them. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because you refuse to use Ublock Origin because you are weird. So... Do you see ads on YouTube?
3: I do, yeah. I don't mind them. I like I see five seconds, skip it now. The weird thing was, the worst offender was a new band. Yes, you heard that right. A new band I've started listening to, and they're younger than me. And they had a live concert from about a year ago. Oh my god, the amount of ads in that was unreal. Like I've never seen anything as bad. And maybe it just means that I don't watch popular stuff. I don't know. But even the Formula One Racing just has a race ad at the start. I don't mind that. I mean, I understand the thing. It probably costs an awful lot of money to run. So I will gladly watch an ad if it means that that's it. I don't like ad tech, mind you. Like following you
2: around the internet is no excuse. And I don't think that should be allowed. But how do you fund these things? I was looking around on Reddit yesterday and I saw a post about the YouTube ad situation. And the most common piece of advice was use Firefox and you never see it. So, I mean, maybe it's as simple as just using Firefox and you won't be detected as using an ad blocker. I don't know. But yeah, certainly I I saw one or two of these and something updated along the way in the last month or two, and I haven't seen any of them since. So long may it continue.
0: Well, I've heard all sorts of old wives tales, essentially, like, oh, try not being logged into YouTube with Firefox and you'll be fine. I think it's a bit random, really. And as long as you keep your uBlock origin up to date, that's your best bet in my experience. But what do we think about it being against the GDPR to run JavaScript on your machine to determine whether or not you're using an ad blocker? I know we're not lawyers, but... (laughs) Or GDP officers. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
3: It'd be funny if it did turn out to be the case, because that would be a whole lot of ad tech stuff that would be thrown out the window. Like, I don't have a problem with advertising, but, you know, advertise me the thing that is in general with the product I'm watching. Don't advertise me some sort of random shite based on what you think I need to see. I think that ad tech needs to go away.
0: And uh, if it is the case, then win. I don't think it needs to be necessarily directly related. Yeah, at least ballpark, though. Well, yeah, but say you're watching a lot of tech videos and then they assume, right, well, you're probably a middle-aged man, so we'll advertise underpants to you or something. I think that's fair enough. Well,
3: here, look, I got a thing about prostate stuff and one about these little springs you could wear wrapped around your knee so when you crouch, it springs you back up again. And, (laughs) you know... That thing maybe is useful, and maybe I do need it. I don't
0: know, but I resent the fucking statement. Yeah, but if you're watching a load of Iron Maiden videos and shit, then it's fair to assume that you're a middle-aged bloke. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Still. Well, I hope this Irish fella succeeds and fucks up Google and YouTube. It'll be hilarious.
1: I don't know if you saw, but um, DreamWorks at the Ubuntu Summit did a presentation. Ooh, they were the developers from DreamWorks and they were showing off their open source code. And to do that, they showed some of the movie footage that they'd worked on. Had the permission, Canonical had the re- written permission to the agreement to, to broadcast this. And the first thing that happened on the live stream was that it was blocked through oh, YouTube. Fuck
0: off. I thought you were going to say that DreamWorks people were there and they said, uh, we need to have a word about your logo, lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant. A,
3: publicity, and B, we get to fucking finally change it. Brilliant. <laughs>
0: no, you're stuck with it forever with no colors oh, or anything. All the other shows get cool colors and yeah. you're stuck with black and white and gray. The docked penguin on a fucking
1: moon. Boo! <laughs> it's beautiful. It's on the Terminator of the moon. That's what I don't like. <laughs> All
0: right, Faylin, you've got a micro KDE corner for us. The first one is KDE6 Funding Drive Update.
3: So they had hoped to get 500 users to help support Plasma 6. Now, while they knew that 500 was super ambitious, when they started, they only had around 50, and as of today, it's 202. So that is pretty good. That's a quadrupling of the supporters there. So that is great to see. And if you want to, and you can, get involved and help support. All right. And KDE6 Alpha Approaches. Yeah, it's coming up. I think it's in the next couple of weeks, or maybe it's even Monday next. But that is the point where the sort of beginning to pin down what's going to be there and what needs to be done. And obviously, people are trying to get stuff in that they want to before they can get the the change request has to be blocked on it. So it'll be good to see it start to take shape and finally start to structure thing. And there was also another call that went out for anybody who does the Plasma Widgets They're trying to get those sorted out as well. And there's a special tracker for that up on the KD Apps page as well. So you can actually see the items going in. There's only two so far. So that's uh, inspired me with confidence that all of my desktop will be broken by February if this doesn't pick up.
0: So uh, yeah, fingers crossed. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yes. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Collide. If you work in security or IT and your company has Okta, this message is for you. Have you noticed that for the past few years, the majority of data breaches and hacks you read about have something in common? It's employees. Hackers absolutely love exploiting vulnerable employee devices and credentials, but it doesn't have to be this way. Imagine a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps. In this world, phished credentials are useless to hackers and you can manage every OS, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Best of all, you can get employees to fix their own device security issues, without creating more work for IT. The good news is, you don't have to imagine this world. You can just start using Collide. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta, and it ensures that if a device isn't trusted and secure, it can't log into your cloud apps. So support the show and visit collide.com slash late night Linux to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot slash late night Linux. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember that for various amounts on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed of either just this show or all the shows in the Late Night Linux family. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Right, you've lost a bet and you are no longer allowed to use Linux and you have to stick to this. So the question is this. What are you using for desktop, server, and embedded systems? So let's do desktop first. I think I know what the answers are going to be. Uh, Graham, especially as you are literally sitting here using a Mac now, I think you're going to say Mac OS.
1: Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, it's the most Linux-like thing. It's got great terminal and uh, audio is really good. <laughs> Although I'm tempted to say Amiga.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You've got your fucking modem for that, haven't you? So, yeah.
1: Except for, you know, uses all the CPU to decode the SSL certificates. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, Will, I think you're going to say Windows.
2: I think we need to define Linux, first of all. Like, does <laughs> does the GNOME desktop exist? And can it run on, I don't know, fucking Plan 9 or something?
0: <laughs> I think everything that isn't Linux that exists now. So you could, for example, get GNOME or XFC working on FreeBSD or maybe GNU Hurd or something like that if you were very lucky.
2: Yeah, I I think I'd probably go down like the free BSD route or or maybe even something like RISC OS or something like that, like some novelty, but the I think the another the issue really is that yes, I would probably use Windows. Not because WSL exists, but just because everything that I do on my desktop in a day-to-day setting, I can do on Windows. I know how to do it on Windows. And importantly, I know how to configure Windows in such a way that it behaves in the way I want it to, whereas with macOS, I found that incredibly difficult. Yeah, because you
0: used a Mac for nearly a year, didn't you?
2: Yeah, a year, almost exactly a year. And I spent money, actual money, on applications to try and make macOS behave in the way that I wanted it to, and still wasn't really happy with it, and I was quite happy to see the back of it. What was good was the CLI familiarity was very very similar and that is not a nice experience on windows but maybe i could ssh into a server into a linux server and then do it no you're not allowed you're not allowed well then i'll run sigwin and then i'll run bash on windows and then i'll be all right
0: now phelim you must be conflicted here because on the one hand you think that wsl is not linux and therefore it counts to use it but that means also using windows at the same time
3: yeah See, now, I didn't realize we were allowed to use fake systems like uh, BSD and stuff like that. Like, if that's the case, then, geez, I'll just use that. Even though I hate it, at least it's bloody open source software. That seems like a bit of a cop-out.
0: No, well, using FreeBSD or OpenBSD or NetBSD or whatever is, is totally fine, yeah, that, that counts. It's only Linux that you're not allowed to use here.
3: Oh, then I'm using that. I mean, I, I can't face a closed garden of... The Mac and I thought I was gonna to have to pick Windows, in which case whatever. I was just gonna, well, install bash
0: and then go with it. I didn't think WSL would be allowed either. This is easy now. <laughs> well, is WSL allowed? I don't know. Is it Linux or is it not Linux? I think it is Linux because it's basically a Linux VM, isn't it?
3: Then no, you can't use it because it's a kernel.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So free BSD, you're gonna would you go with Ghost BSD, even though that's Marty?
3: No, I'd probably just use FreeBSD. I know there's obviously all the stuff the other guys put into it, but all the documentation is there. It seems to be the generic sort of base one. It's the Debian of BSDs, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, could I use Debian with a BSD kernel? I suppose you could do, yeah. Ah, there we go.
0: Job mm. done. I'm out of here. <laughs> Nothing changes. Ah, yeah. See? Mm. Well, I would use a Mac because I don't like macOS, but I don't like Windows very much either. And I don't think I'd have a great time on FreeBSD on the desktop, whereas I know that the macOS desktop generally works. So, yeah, that's my just cop-out answer, I'm afraid. All right, servers then. And I, I don't know, are we going to split up servers and embedded here? Like, what does embedded even really mean? Like, I picture it to be Will's radiators and stuff is embedded, whereas servers is more... You know the web server that our site's running on. My um, my NAS, for example, I consider that to be a server.
2: Yeah, I think your definition of embedded is is accurate. I would say embedded would be a microcontroller rather than a proper full blown CPU. But I'm guessing that the question is really asking what would you run on a Raspberry Pi yeah. rather than uh, an embedded system, a server. I mean, honestly, I I don't know. I've used windows on a server a long 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 time ago it was not a good experience i don't know i don't is there a, such a thing as a mac server i've literally no idea there
0: used to be a specific mac server version i think you can just run server services on a mac now mm. like you can with a linux desktop for example you can just you can take a, an ubuntu box and just run your apache and nginx or whatever it is that you want on it And i think you can do that with a mac there used to be Mac hardware for servers as well, X serves and X raids, but I don't.
3: They don't make them anymore. I think the, you're supposed to use a what's the lunchbox sized Mac? What's that called? Mini. The Mac Studio. Either Mac Studio or the Mac Mini. I think it's the Mac Mini is meant
1: to be the server hardware
3: now. Bizarrely.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean they do have they do have that excellent server interface. You can still use it that way, and you've got access to brew, I suppose.
0: So. I don't know. Does your ancient CentOS server count as Linux still? Can you just get
1: away with running it? What ancient CentOS server? I don't know what you mean. (laughs) Oh, Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's three. I think he's got on three.
0: It has
3: to be be something so shocking. So shocking. No, it's five,
0: isn't it? Or six or something? It's 6.2. So it's not that old. uh,
3: Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty old, though. 6.2, hang it! so you didn't even do
1: the patch releases that you could have all the way to 6.10. Well, i tell you why. It's because I ended (laughs) up building Python on it because I needed a more recent version of Python and ended up building a lot of other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, oh dear.
0: One day we're all going to find that and uh, (laughs) we're going to find out exactly what's really on it. So what would you use, Graham? then?
1: I think I'd use BSD. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just OpenSSH and that's just the main thing that I rely on. So go native with the uh, the people behind SSH. Well, for me, my main server use case, apart from
0: hosting websites, which is just easy on anything, is ZFS. So I'd just go with FreeBSD because you're going to have first class experience there. So yeah, my NAS would be running FreeBSD the day after I lost this bet. Assuming you get drivers, I guess. Well, you know, it's Ethernet and it's, you know, it's it's not going to be. I know that's the meme and everything, but... I think you're generally going to be all right. The truth. Well, whatever. With a ninth gen Intel like mine is, I think you're pretty much all right with uh, free BSD running on that. So yeah, that's, that's my boring answer for that one as well. Well, since you're at Debian with a BSD kernel in, that's, that's me all the way there. I don't even need
3: to bother <laughs> with it. And nothing changes. Oh yeah, I'm going to use that for embedded as well. It's shoehorned right onto that pie. Does ZFS work? I think there's a DKMS kernel for it. Or kernel module for it, rather. Because it wouldn't be DKMS with the BSD kernel, would it? Oh, shit, that's a good point. Oh, then it should work straight away, then. BSD kernel.
0: Yeah, it should work straight away, in quotes, yeah. I'm sure you'd have a great time (laughs) with that.
3: Yeah, all all the Debian user land stuff's looking for a DKMS kernel, and well, the free free BSD
0: kernel module's going, I'm here, I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Shit. (laughs) All right, what about embedded, then? Does embedded even include phones. Does Android count as Linux? Like are the three of us who have Android phones gonna have to be like Will and use an iPhone? I've got to use a Motorola. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your Raspberry Pi type stuff then? Graham, you've got your brew pi and all that stuff. Would any of that work with any sort of FreeBSD or whatever?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's gonna be the only the closest match. If we're talking embedded though, the first thing that comes to mind is something like Arduino where at least I'd be able to do what I need to be done in terms of a specific bespoke configuration for, like, the Brew BrewPi and for the lights.
2: I suspect that BSD is the answer to most of my problems on a Raspberry Pi. What I want is a headless box that I can SSH into and run all of those server-like applications, albeit cut down. I can't think of a better alternative, really the only thing would be just think of all the
3: stuff that goes away if we did actually have to use BSD you, you've no Steam you've done no, none of the nice things you've only got bash scripts and all that jazz
0: it's like real bones of just work stuff it's a bit sad well that's the thing with the Mac if you go that way on the desktop at least you've got Steam there hey, but you've got less support than you do in Linux isn't some of the Proton stuff working on Mac
1: these days That that's true that is true that's true. Yeah. Crossover um, works as well.
0: Are we making an argument for failing to use a Mac here? Oh, it's not going to happen. Not
3: going to happen. I'd rather use Windows than a Mac. I, I I mean, that's nothing against people using a Mac, but I just, I don't get along with the one way to do things. At least with a Windows box, you could, you know, you can buy any hardware that you want. You can install any application you want, a load of
0: fast stuff, whatever. Like the Mac feels like it's trying to tell you how to do stuff too much. Yeah, whereas with Windows, you've got 20 ways to do whatever you want and 20 ways to break it in whatever way you want.
3: I would, in fairness, use very little of the Windows bit. I would just bolt on as
0: much fast stuff as I could do it. Yeah, but no VMs allowed. Not like Hmm. you used to do when you were forced (laughs) to use Windows and you just boot into a full screen Kubuntu or whatever it was. Uh, So this exercise really isn't about what we would do if we didn't have Linux is to try and make us appreciate what we have with Linux. That's the subtext, dear listener and lads here. Did you get what I was going for here? I don't know. I didn't give you that much credit, but fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't it make you realize just how fucking good Linux is when you think, what would I do without it?
3: Well, the funny thing is, right, it it both equally tells me that much, but it also tells me how there's quite an awful lot of stuff that you could use in another environment that would get you pretty close to where you want it to be like it's almost like we've
1: standardized the os out of every os and i think the other interesting thing is that we all found it hard without using vms i mean i'm using a vm you just it's just the first thing you think of when you need to when you're in one environment and you've got to try and get to another environment and they've just become so useful for everything or at least for me
3: uh, well mine have become extra secure because copy paste just fails to fucking work with KVM for <laughs> me for the last year. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a security feature. That's what that is. What do you do then? Just like <laughs> rsync sync a text file between
2: them. <laughs> he telegrams it from one account to the other.
3: It's almost that bad. I, I do a lot of <laughs> SCP and SSHing with running and dump into a text file at the far end.
0: It's <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> a lot of echoing. <laughs> <laughs> well do let us know what you'd use if you couldn't use Linux, if you'd lost this imaginary bet. Show at latenightlinux.com. Right, well, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll probably have some discoveries, and maybe some feedback, who knows. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Salem. I've been Green, And I've been Will. See you later.